it's staggering. If you look at female founders, 2% of, of funding goes to female founders. But if you break that down and you look at black founders, that black female founders, that goes down to less than 1%. On today's show, we're talking to Piali, the Chief Strategy Officer at Republic, an investment platform for startup companies. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we bring you interviews from leaders across the industry and a bit of tech news. Welcome to the show. Joining me today, we have Akish, fresh from cricketing exploits after the ban was lifted on throwing a small red ball around covering <laughs> someone's saliva. <laughs> I'm assuming no one was doing that. No, no one was doing that. And the vector of disease, as it's uh, been called by our Prime Minister. Um, no, it was all good. It was all good. 22 players, all socially distanced. Um, no changing rooms, no showers. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It's just good to get out of there. Good, good to be back doing something um, which made it completely normal. Yeah. I haven't checked. Um, but as, a, as someone who used to try and swing the ball occasionally... Obviously, spit or sweat was quite important. Uh, obviously, yeah. you can't use saliva on the ball. Can you use sweat? I'm assuming you can't use sweat either. Can't use sweat. So no, how, you, how do you shine it? Uh, you don't, really. You, you just kind of keep going and you, you hope that the, it doesn't get battered around. But hey, I'd be uh, cannon fodder. I'd be yeah, absolute exactly. cannon fodder. Exactly. See, I think bowlers were just trying to bowl extra quick, really, um, which I got a couple of blows, to be honest. But yeah, it's all right. You, you live to see another day, don't you? But it's just good, good, good to see other people, I guess, and enjoy the the British summer day that we had on on Saturday. When you go camping, you can often take those little shower units with the pump. Yeah, you hold it over your head. Yeah. Any thoughts on kind of doing a bit of wild showering outdoors, given that you can't shower in the club facilities? Maybe, yeah, maybe. The, the other thing I was also thinking was maybe taking some sort of like um, wipes or something like that, and and possibly. Is it, is it called a Mexican shower or something? I'll to <laughs> wipe yourself. But um, there, was, there was enough antibacterial and wipe uh, or alcohol wipes going around for the whole town, I think, on, on Saturday. Um, everywhere you went, one-way system through the club um, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it is good. It's all right. Straight to the bar, pause there, yeah, and then back round again. Yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, 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 basically. Um, but, yeah, it's all right. Well, I'm glad that uh, cricket is back and you've got that outlet. Um, today's episode, um, whereas the UK is moving in one direction, unfortunately, the US does seem to be moving in places in another direction. Uh, and our interview with Piali, um, she is in Dallas, which appears to be in the midst of a coronavirus storm. So that is obviously not good. However, she was able to give us some time. We've got a great interview around Republic and what they have seen during the pandemic with regards to funding, crowdfunding and the investment community. That's what's coming up on the interview. Myself and Akish will be back with some comments in a moment. So today, our guest is Piali. Piali, uh, primarily you are the chief strategy officer at Republic, but you've been a, an angel investor, uh, mentor and board advisor within the tech industry uh, for some time now. So thank you for joining us on the show. I'm happy to be here. How are you today? I'm great. I'm actually, you know, we're, I'm from New York, but I escaped and I'm, I tried to escape COVID, came to Dallas, and now COVID has followed me here. So Dallas is another <laughs> hot spot. Dallas must be hot at this time of year. Oh no? my God. I'm not used to 
both the combination of heat and humidity. You know, in New York, um, we call it a heat wave when there's uh, three days of 90 degree plus weather. And that's every day here in Dallas. Yeah, look, I'll be perfectly honest. As a northern white British bloke, I <laughs> anything over about 23 degrees Celsius, which is what, I, I, low 70s, high 60s. <laughs> And I'm like, nah, it's too much. So <laughs> you rather you than me. Farewell here. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Um, right. So look, let's let's jump into your background first of all, and how you end, how you ended up at Republic, because that in itself is quite interesting. Yeah. So I've been, you know, I'm an investor and an operator, and I've been part of the startup community. Now this is going to age me, but since the first dot com boom. So after graduating from Stern NYU undergrad, I started my career in venture capital for five years. And then, you know, I've been business school undergrad and then business school for grad school. I went to Harvard for business school, got my master's there, after which I took on senior operating roles within two publicly traded companies. One is within LVMH, the Donna Karen brand, and the other is Shop Your Way, which is a division of Sears Holdings. In between, I also went the entrepreneurial route and started a company called Mintbox. And Mintbox is a data-driven fashion tech company. But all throughout, I've been focused, as you mentioned, on investing and advising the startup community. And that continues with my role at Republic. So when did you join Republic? 2018, early 2018. And let me get this straight, because Republic have got... um, or have had since I think it's since you might correct me here, 2016 that you've you've kind of been in partnership with Cedars, or is the partnership with Cedars more more recent than that? Uh, the partnership with Cedars is recent. Republic actually was launched in 2016. In 2016. There we go. That's that's why I was a bit hesitant and was looking for you to help guide me there. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so we started we started as an equity crowdfunding platform in 2016, and we were seeded by AngelList. So Ken Nguyen, the CEO, founder of the company, he was head of general counsel at AngelList. And when during the Obama administration in 2016, when they passed the Title III legislation for the Jobs Act, it was the first time that allowed for non-accredited investors alongside accredited investors to invest in early stage companies. And those companies can raise up to a million seventy on the platform, or through regulation crowdfunding. So the reason that I, I mention uh, Cedars was we, we've had Cedars on the show before. Um, so we had Ben Aronston on on the yeah. podcast, um, possibly possibly three three and a half years ago. And equity crowdfunding is is something that I I guess we're we're kind of familiar with in the UK because we've got Cedars and we've got Crowdcube and a few of the platforms over here. Is that is that the same in the US? Has it has it been something that that you know the idea that anyone can invest with as little as ten dollars is that re- reasonably new to the US market, or is that something that has been around for some time? Yeah, it's it's fairly new. Twenty sixteen was the first time that allowed for equity crowdfunding. You know, as I mentioned uh, mm-hmm. with the Jobs Act. So here in the US, it's newer, but it's the startups can actually. Uh, and they can raise less money than they do in the UK. So in the UK, I believe it's five million pounds. In the US, it's still a million seventy. Although there is movement to change that, and um, laws are being passed to extend that to five million US dollars. 
So as chief strategy officer, where, where has your focus been around this idea of, of equity crowdfunding, certainly based on you know the, the experiences that you had with the likes of Mintbox and so on? It, it must be really exciting to bring a whole new, um, I suppose, a whole new uh, cohort of, of, of investors who, who are excited about companies and, and I suppose can identify with companies that they feel aligned to, to their own values or their own interests. Yeah. You know, I've been on both sides of the table. So I've been an investor. I've also... You know, I've also looked to raise capital and pitched VCs. So I and Republic are mission aligned and where we want to democratize and also digitize fundraising. We've effectively digitized the whole process of fundraising and become a true marketplace for private investing. And this is across the board. This is pre-seed to pre-IPO companies. Um and the other thing that's important about to know about Republic is we're, it's not just about raising capital. It's also a startup's growth hack. It's their next growth hack. We have over 700,000 investors on the platform. We've been growing tremendously. Um, but our startups have used campaigns, not just for capital, but to triple their user bases, to sell millions of um, millions worth of product to gain press coverage, to connect with follow-on VC investors. We've invested alongside a lot of the great VCs, both domestically and internationally. Out of interest, how is, how is the pandemic changing the relationship between in, uh, investor and entrepreneur? Because certainly in the UK, we used to talk about the idea that a company didn't necessarily want to get on on a train from Edinburgh to Newcastle to go and pitch a VC, and it was very. It felt very much like it was a face to face. You get in front of of the investor, the VC, and you you really kind of pitch them your idea. You get them to buy into you as an individual, and that's that's harder done through a screen, right? It's certainly harder. It's harder to build that camaraderie between individuals um, just by seeing them uh, on a on a camera. But it's been great for us. I mean, business-wise, our business has has been booming. But also from, from a standpoint of getting to know the current issuers and the previous issuers, I'm on phone calls all the time with issuers, previous issuers, um, to talk about what they should do during COVID. And we have a lot of frank conversations. It's been great. And, and VCs are doing this with their portfolio company. We work with them to take a closer look at their burn and runway across different scenarios, um, talk to them about taking care of their team and thinking through kind of the implications of a prolonged downturn. You know, you guys are doing well in Europe where COVID has, is flattening. And here... Well, we'll, well see. Let's for now. But you're not letting Americans into the country because we um, we had in pl certain places a dip and then other places, like I mentioned, um, being in Dallas now, we're seeing spikes. So this downturn and this new normal is is happening. And so a lot of companies that we're even talking to, we're telling them not to be afraid to pivot. Um, but. Volatility breeds opportunity. I started a company during a downturn. Airbnb, Uber, Dropbox, there are a lot of great companies that have come out of recessions. And um, I think there are certain sectors that are poised to flourish in a post-COVID world, and we are ready for them. You know, we talk to everyone. Out of interest, you talk there about companies flourishing, and that absolutely 
is the case some some have done very well we we featured a few uh on this podcast if they're offering a certain product pet insurance for example pet insurance has gone through the roof because everyone's gone out and bought a puppy um <laughs> i will do so, anything for my pet and my child <laughs> there you go um is there a case though whilst this is slightly different from previous recessions because of the social dynamic that's going on that actually the equity crowdfunding space gains importance and gains traction because you know if i look at my shopping habits i've decided to shop directly with brands that i really invest in because i want to continue to support them and i suppose those that have some money spare will be more inclined to invest in businesses that they feel aligned to or they like um and Equally, they they probably never felt the need to get in front of those founders and meet them from person to person. They they just love the products or they love what the company stands for, right? So I suppose there is an opportunity that the equity crowdfunding space, whilst hopefully most people have jobs and have a bit of money, it could be really important right now. Oh, absolutely. And private investing is a space that most people just don't look at. You know, if you're lucky, most people don't invest even in the public markets, but you can get into a deal on Republic. And, you know, there's a lot of data on every campaign that we have. You can look at all of them. You could sort them by, let's say you have your own passion. It's let, I want to focus on female founders. I want to focus on founders of color. I want to focus on, um, you know, impact driven or society focused um, startups. You can do all of that and filter through all of that in Republic and invest alongside your passions. Um, and you can do that with as little as $10. Now you mentioned their female founders and you mentioned um, fa- founders of color. Um, I, I think, correct me, I, I we took some notes uh, when we first spoke and I think you mentioned that funding typically to those minority groups is around 2% of the industry, whereas on your platform, it's about 50% of the capital raise goes to minority groups. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's staggering. If you look at female founders, 2% of, of funding goes to female founders. But if you break that down and you look at black founders, that black female founders, that goes down to less than 1%. It's staggering how little funding goes to these groups. Um, so yeah, at Republic, we are looking at for great deals. But guess what? Great deals happen in all shapes, sizes, colors, and 50% of the crowdfunding capital has gone to underrepresented founders. Those are women and people of color. Um, and you know, honestly, um, with what's happening out there, I think more frank discussions about the role race plays when it comes to funding opportunities for early early stage companies is like it's so important that we're having these conversations now. And what do you what do you attribute that that success on the platform to? Because that that is a stat that is pre everything else that's going on right now. So why why do you think Republic was was getting it right? Well, as I mentioned, we're looking for great deals and Republic is part of a huge network. We can, we were born out of AngelList and the family of AngelList, Product Hunt, CoinList. Um, but we have relationships with all of the top accelerators and VCs. We're also part of our own, we've also part of local networks. Um, we've also grown, we acquired a company called SheWorks and it's a, it's this global platform. It's so cool. It, it, 
it's a global platform and event series where we empower over 25,000 female entrepreneurs to build and scale their companies. Um, we do a lot with local accelerators um, throughout the country, and that has given us access to a broad range of founders. So look, um, wonderful success story there uh, and, and an interesting insight into what's going on with the investment market more broadly. But what happens next? What what are Republic looking at, I suppose, to stay ahead of, of, of your competition and adapt to the world that we're moving into? Um, well, the future, I think, holds a lot for Republic. Um, and having domain expertise is really important to us because we want investors to have options and greater ability to diversify their private investment portfolios. And we've had recent acquisitions. I mentioned this, SheWorks. Um, we recently acquired a company called Fig, and it's a gaming crowdfunding platform, which has enjoyed three straight years of positive returns. Um, and even more recently, uh, we we acquired a company called Compound, and it's a real estate investment platform that lets everybody invest in real estate around the world. Um, and the most, and one of the more exciting two upcoming events is on July 16th. We're issuing a digital profit sharing token. It's on the Algorand blockchain, and this token gives customers access to profit from all deals done on the platform, not just the ones that they might have invested to into. So there's a lot that we have to look forward to at Republic and also just um, in in capital raising. And look, as, as a final question, cause just because it's interesting insight, you mentioned their gaming, you mentioned real estate. Where's the money going at the minute? Where where are people going, you know what, I'm, go I'm going to invest in this company. Is, is is there an interesting pattern emerging that's different through lockdown to the to normal times or is it the markets that we might expect? You know, it's interesting. Um, we on Republic have literally every industry that you can think of. Um, it's a good fit and doing well on the platform. That includes consumer tech, healthcare tech, ed tech, AI, AR, VR, <laughs> blockchain, um, food and beverage, retail, even cannabis deals. So um, they're all doing really well on our platform. It's hard to choose which one. Um, but if I had to choose, I would say EdTech is really interesting because it's a space that hasn't been all that successful. But now that we're forced to stay at home and educate our kids online, EdTech is booming. Stands to reason. Well, look, I appreciate your time. It's very kind of you to talk to us this morning. Um, <laughs> whilst it's the afternoon here, I guess in Dallas, you're probably it's probably what, mid-morning now? Yeah, it's 10.30 in the morning. Yeah, and it'll be getting warm. So I, I actually don't envy you because <laughs> <laughs> if you were in New York, I might be envious. I, I think Dallas, I as, as, as wonderful as a place that it is, and it is. Like when I go on all day, I wear Factor Fifty Sun Green. But, you know, it's not a place that yeah. I think is made for me. <laughs> but look, thank you very much for your time and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. I suppose there's a lot in here that you would expect, mm. um, but there are also some nuances that kind of caught me a little bit by surprise. I suppose. Um, I like the the fact that she talks about it's harder to build that camaraderie via video because well, you kind of wonder is is this going to make um, investment a much more clinical decision? But obviously, people investing in businesses still wants to feel a personal attachment to an individual or a business, well, and emotions still play a part. And 
maybe that doesn't make for good business, but I, I, you know, I like the idea that people still want to invest in people and are trying to do that, even if it's a little bit harder than it would be normally. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, well, I think a lot of the, the angel investors or people in the Ali situation at times, they're more attracted towards, you know, kind of the, the stories or they're more attracted towards, you know, kind of the, the reason why this, this organization is, is trying to do what they do or reason why the product's coming out. Um, and I think the fact that you can, it, it might not be that apparent over video. I mean, I'll be honest, we've been doing this podcast, uh, what over lockdown and, you know, where we used to sit in a room with each other, we've then went gone to kind of seeing each other through the screen, right. Where initially it was a little bit weird, I'll be honest, but mm. slowly you just get used to it. Right. And, and you tailor your way of, 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 of talking you tailor your way of kind of delivering things so i think i think if it has to carry on like this then it will definitely keep the door open for investors and organizations but it's just good to see that people are still very much interested in the why you know the who um and, and exactly what you know the person or, or that you know organization is looking to do really um you're right it is a slightly different mode of of conversation isn't it but yeah. we, we i suppose had that understanding of what it's actually like talking to the other person initially but we are going to get better at this as as a society and we are moving towards a point where remote working i think is going to become the norm so mm. i guess it's going to get easier for you to build rapport with people and you'll kind of find ways of of working out how you do that even if you are not necessarily in the same room or haven't had the opportunity to be previously our skills yeah. are going to get better right yeah, hundred percent. And I think so. It, I've actually got a funny story. My friend, who's single, um, he's actually been going on virtual dates uh, during lockdown. So if there's a, if there's ever a way to practice meeting someone that you've never spoken to before, someone that you've never met, um, it's by having a virtual date. And and after the first few, where he told me about the technical glitches and the ideal lighting uh, <laughs> in the room and and the the acoustics um he's actually he's actually found it fairly you know doable um I, I think and and the fact is that you're only able to communicate with someone so much over a text email whatever right and then the fact that he's actually taken it to a virtual stage or a virtual setup um i won't mention his name because he does listen to the podcast but um he probably knows who he is anyway <laughs> but but the thing is he's um yeah he's, he's actually um he from from his experience said it's actually very very good in terms of just learning how to interact virtually and online because it's completely different um and and you know there's obviously certain things that you should do shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff um like looking at your phone like you know if you're reading something make sure your eyes stay on screen and all that sort of stuff so yeah it's just you know little things like that i think will definitely help the community will help investors and also those people that pitch into these guys you know um we need they need to still get that passion across for the product they still need to get that you know the the the, the trust across to say to these people look you've got x amount of cash we need to get somewhere with our business trust me put your trust in us and we can make it work so yeah i, th I think everything is good and it's a learning curve for everyone right like the last few months have been 
have a question about technical glitches, which is is specifically, um, you know how girls basically have a friend who uh, will call them halfway through a date that they can be like, oh no, I've got an emergency, I have to run off to. Yeah. Technical glitches are basically that new friend call. Like, yeah. oh no, my internet connection's unstable. Hang on, I'm going to have to go. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. But also the good thing is what he said to me, he goes, you don't get to that awkward stage at the end of the date where it's like, oh, no, let me pay. No, you pay. No, I'll pay. And it's like, and then you don't have to give it the line of, oh, but you can pay next time, knowing there is not going to be a next time. And it's just like, yeah, so little things like that you can just kind of, yeah, kind of deal with really, um, which is which is quite good. And also, I, th- I think this is one thing that you mentioned as well from a, a safety perspective for any individual, um, you know, have, having not met someone, it, you, the fact that you can meet someone virtually for the first time in your own surroundings where you're safe and secure that's obviously ideal as well um not to say my friend's some sort of psycho but you know there are <laughs> there are there are people uh out there in the world with not the best intentions unfortunately Get, getting back to the interview yeah sorry, sorry, I, sorry. Could go, I could go on no i could definitely go it's a whole different show yeah. um i'm sure someone's got to have a, a podcast out there about dating in the time of corona. in fact there is there is one and i've heard of one on the radio um right but uh it's great that she talks, uh, Piali talks about volatility, breathing opportunity. We know mm-hmm. that. I also love the fact that she's looking at this from a point of view of, of, of it being like a digital platform that isn't just about investment, but is also about, you know, those 700,000 investors are, are thinking about marketing are thinking about expanding their user base, you know, products out to new users. And I suppose that, that, that's great. That's heartening because again, it's, it's, speaks about the strength of community on the back of what's going on right now um mm. that it's not just a investment platform it's a way of plugging into skills and expertise and being able to build off that and and how important that is right now mm. no definitely also i one thing when listening to the the interview i thought how how this sort of time or this period will open up new sectors in the market that maybe investors were shy on you know kind of investing in so health tech comes to mind right if someone said about a year ago you've got this product organization that is you know kind of your your trading dynamics your uh, e-trading kind of platform you know you've got stock shares you've got all these companies on there people can sign up from a mobile app or you've got this health tech organization that kind of traces and tracks and you know does all this funky stuff if there was you know viruses or, or allows medical professionals to speak to, to patients or whatever people go you know option a is a bit more sexier right and that will get me in the in the newspapers that will get me you know kind of into into where the, the market was but now i think given someone the opportunity they go oh health tech yeah 100 you know definitely sign me up so I think organizations like that or, or people playing in that market will definitely um, benefit, I think, from from it. And, and I think she mentioned people like Airbnb, Dropbox, Uber, all coming out of, you know, some sort of kind of pretty terrible times in, in the world economy, so to speak. Um, and I think, yeah, we, we already talked about this before on, on the podcast. You know, there is more investment going on in, in things like accountancy software and stuff like that right now, stuff mm. that might not be quite so sexy, but is obviously very needed right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, Piali, thank you for coming on the show, being our guest. Uh, fingers crossed the role at Republic continues to go well. Uh, obviously, uh, as she said, um, it's actually been 
a great time. Business has been booming. Uh, let's hope that continues because that's that that speaks to the strength of the technology sector despite the difficult uh, conditions. Um, we're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking uh, about a little bit of tech news. Right, quick bit of technology news. This is news that's not news, if I'm perfectly honest. So I don't really understand how this is news, apart from the fact that uh, you kind of go, what, they didn't already? Cisco's WebEx video conferencing software now lets you set virtual backgrounds. How were they not there already? Wow. They were were the the originals, you know. Were they – I mean, from – I've only been working – properly for about nine years now but i mean they were the original webex people right they're one of the oldest players in video conferencing they yeah. were founded in 1995 acquired by cisco in 2007 for mm. 3.2 billion mm. the, that that speaks volumes that they've fallen that far behind the likes of zoom and, and teams and stuff because people love a virtual background they do love virtual background uh, and we've seen i'm sure all of our listeners have seen various virtual backgrounds over the last uh what four or five months um you know from from that side but it's crazy because I, I always thought that they would well i don't know I, it can't be that difficult can it to, to no. have a, a like that to just put a few pictures the, the other thing i wanted to ask on, on the back of this of course is what other virtual backgrounds have people find that are quite quite unusual i'm i am going to go and work for a few days in spain and then take a take a week off going to go mm. see my in-laws later this month uh, and those few days where I'm working in Spain, I did think I could get the internet around the pool. If I'm on a call, should I have a virtual background in an office so that it's not obvious? You know how people sit on yeah. calls and they've got yeah. like the virtual beach in the background. Yeah, yeah, I might yeah. find myself trying to do the reverse to be like, no, I'm not. I'm not really sat around a pool. I'm actually, I'm working. I'm definitely working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so are people yeah. using them to mask where they are? But, but then are you going to be topless in the office? That, that's the thing. You've probably got to put some clothes on. If you're around the pool, then... Oh, that's a good point. I mean, I would have sunglasses on. It might be like quite obvious that I'm in bright sunshine, but somehow yeah. try to portray that I'm in, in a building. Yeah, exactly. It might not work. Nah, nah <laughs> but I don't know. It's, 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 it's a bit of laugh. But I, I to be honest, I, I can't really get my head around it because, yeah, I, um, I put a few on and then it, your face ends up disappearing. And because I wear glasses half your glasses start going or wherever, you know, they've got the kind of cut out or, or that sort of thing. So you end up looking like some sort of morphed figure um, yeah. on screen. So I just tend to keep it, yeah, just just keep my background, which is fairly boring. Um, yeah. To be honest, I, I've, I've not really understood the whole thing for it. What I have seen a lot of people doing is kind of like putting up kind of banner marketing, banner type stuff and creating mm. kind of branded stuff, which, okay, mm. fine. Yeah, cool. Mm. But I like you. I, I'm a bit kind of, eh, whatever. Yeah. Well, but also some people, uh, and this has, I think, been quite a good thing. We go back to the, the marketing side of stuff, but some businesses have actually taken pictures off. So like some football grounds and um you know, kind of sports venues have given their own like virtual image. So if you were to have it in the back, it looks like you're sat in an Old Trafford or in your case, uh, St. James's Park. Um, is it still called that? Or is it it's called something? Yes. Something? Yeah. 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 yeah, still called that, yeah. Don't um, go down that route. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I mean, that's that's allowed, obviously, a bit of marketing. It's allowed for people just to, to feel like they're still part of something, um, which is good. But it's a shame Cisco's only just about got into it now. Yeah, shock. Oh, I was just surprised. Weird, I think. 
Yeah, where they've been. Yeah. Um, you've got people like Zoom and, and Teams leading the way on that. Yeah. We use that quite a lot and, and, and they seem great. But yeah, I don't know. Any Anyone got any virtual story backgrounds that are actually interesting? Please do let us know, maybe if you've had to mask. I, to be perfectly honest, mate, I normally have a bookcase behind me during calls and it's been quite a conversation start because someone goes, you know, either you're a bit geeky or why have you got two copies of that? Or, oh, that's a good book. Mm. Virtual backgrounds, don't have that. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, we hope you all have a lovely week. The weather is finally set to be better, so that's good. Um, and we will talk to you again on Friday. <laughs>